Welcome to Fill to Flourish with Luke and Lauren, where emotional health takes a stage and your story matters. Hey everyone, great to be back podcasting and sharing this um, conversation that we believe is going to be really meaningful and probably very enlightening for you and your journey. So we have a guest. We love our guest episodes. They're always so deep and rich and beautiful. So our guest today will be talking about IFS, internal family systems. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about her. Her name is Christine Dixon. She is um, the her ordinary sacred is her handle. So if you follow her, this is who we're talking to now. And if you're watching the video, you'll notice that she describes herself as a wounded healer, leading other wounded healers into the house of love so that we can heal the world, which she stole from her IFS trainer because she loved that sentiment so much. Um, with more than 20 years as an educational therapist, Christine's own relational, religious, and medical trauma eventually resulted in panic attacks and bodily symptoms that left her incapacitated. In a desperate attempt to heal herself, Christine discovered how integrated her mind and body truly are. After training with renowned life coach Martha Beck, Christine fell in love with the modality of IFS, which she found to be the most direct, effective, holistic, and compassionate inner healing method she's ever encountered. After experiencing the healing of lifelong physical and emotional wounds, Christine naturally began to share this good news with anyone who would listen. Now she finds great joy and purpose as an IFS educator and group facilitator. And we will talk more about what she offers, um, which are really uh, great, great offerings and services at the end of our time together. So stay tuned for that. So welcome, Christine. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here with both of you. Oh, we're so excited yes. to have you. IFS has become a new passion of ours in the last year or so. And mm -hmm. every time we learn a little bit more, it's just so exciting and so excited mm -hmm. to be able to learn more from you and hear from you today. Because I would agree, IFS is just so compassionate and so, so much yeah. wisdom and um this leads you to your body and, and connectedness mm -hmm. and healing so thank you for your time yeah we'd love to start off um, when people are willing we love story our tagline for our podcast is your story matters and we love to hear people's stories um, when they're willing. So you said you'd be willing to share some of your journey. So why don't we start there and just hear more about you? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Um, yeah. I'm so happy to, you know, share my story because I think that's what we all have to offer. You know, all of our stories are unique, but it really does help us not feel so alone. Mm -hmm. And in, um, in IFS, we talk about being a hope merchant <laughs> to other people and just kind of selling hope that there, there is hope for healing and healing deep root wounds. And, um, and so, yeah, so for me, my, my um, trauma was really growing up in a home where, you know, religion was the air that I breathed. And I internalized a lot of messages of I'm bad at my core. Um, 
you know, I can't trust my body. I can't trust my emotions. Um, and then, you know, some of the ideas as a woman that I need to sacrifice my needs for other people. And, and just in general, that um, it's interesting. I just, we'll talk about IFS and what this means, but I just met a part recently that has really deep uh, religious and cultural wounds around not valuing myself, that that is just such a selfish thing to do and mm. cannot do that at any, any cost. So that was kind of um, some of the, the things growing up. And then I ended up in a, a marriage that uh, had a lot of trauma. And what I understand now from an IFS lens is that my first husband had a lot of trauma in his childhood. And we'll talk about what this means, but he had firefighters. He had a lot of strategies of um, substance abuse and rage and things like that. And he, you know, the, the rage at his own perpetrators that he couldn't take out there, he ended up taking out on himself and on me. And so I had then had a lot of trauma moments in that time. And I finally was able to leave after 10 years, but mm -hmm. um, that year he died by suicide. Mm -hmm. And so um, there was just, there was so much trauma around that of feeling responsible myself and different things <sighs> like that. So, so it was um, a really difficult, difficult thing to walk through. But um, I'm going to put my glasses on so I can see you better, even though there's a glare. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, so, so then um, from there, I ended up just really working on myself and mm -hmm. kind of desperate for help. And I felt like I was doing well. I ended up meeting my current husband who we just have such a loving, respectful relationship. And we were kind of on the same path toward healing. Um, but often what happens is that when we've had trauma in the past, when we are finally in a safe space, the mm -hmm. trauma begins to actually come up and, yes. and show itself because now it's like, oh, I can be seen, you know? Um, so what I started experiencing was my trauma manifesting physically. And mm -hmm. um, a lot of that was actually, I didn't understand at the time, but it was these panic attacks where I genuinely thought I was having a heart attack. I, I was dying. And, um, and, and I would go to the hospital and they didn't know what was happening either. So they would give me all of these medications and, and different things. But um, I had a whole year where I was essentially hospitalized and bedridden, trying to figure it out. And during that time is really when I began to understand this is a physical manifestation of the trauma. I thought it was buried deep down and gone and not going to affect me anymore, yeah. but it was just seeping up physically. So yeah. um, that's when I, I sought out everything that I could. And, um, and there were things, you know, that, that worked that were really helpful, like mindfulness and self-compassion and somatic body, you know, somatic experiencing and um, nonviolent communication and just all kinds of things that were really, really helpful. But when I did the training with Martha Beck and she said, I'm going to use something called internal family systems with you. I said, okay. And she did this thing where my question to her was something like, um, I hate making dinner. I don't want to have to make dinner every night for 20 years. I'm so tired of it. It was, that was it. 
And she said, okay, you know, there, I see that there's this part of you that really hates making dinner. Is, so is there a part of you that's making you make dinner? Mm. And I was like, yeah. Mm. yeah. And I started to see that there were these, these competing you know, parts and she had me visualize them in my hands. And mm -hmm. uh, the part that didn't want to make dinner was this teenage girl. It's like, I hate this. I don't want to do this anymore. And the part that told her she had to make dinner was this like Sasquatch, this big mm. kind of, it was towering over her telling her you have to make dinner. And, and then she had me step back and be my compassionate self and look at them both and just have love for each of them at the same time you know that this one you know and and ask them questions about well, why don't you want to make dinner why do you yeah. think that she has to make dinner and um and and get these answers from them and that it was just so fascinating to me that i from that day on i went in and just delved just deep dive mm -hmm. into ifs and it's, as my husband says, I eat, sleep and breathe IFS. <laughs> that's, that's, it became, it, it became, you know, all of these things that were helpful all in one, you know, kind of like a, this, this yeah. holistic method. And so when I, when I got the uh, book by Richard Schwartz, um, Internal Family Systems Therapy, um, I, I began really applying it to myself immediately and I think because of the, I, I often say the IFS, it was like my whole life led me to IFS. Mm -hmm. Like I, I began to look back at all the stepping stones and, and how they had led me to this. So I think because I had already been doing a lot of work with self-compassion and listening to my body and these kinds of things, I was able to go in and meet with these different parts of myself from um, and we'll talk about what this means, but from my, my curious and compassionate core self. And I began doing what I call time travel, which is this process in IFS where you go back in to moments of trauma, whether you remember them, you know, the details or, um, or is Luke frozen? Is he? Oh, no, I'm just, I'm just very attuned, just very into every word you're saying. That's all. <laughs> Sorry, I looked like you were frozen. Um, so, um, yeah, so I started going like back in time to these trauma moments and, um, it, but not to relive them, but to bring my curious and compassionate adult self hmm. and to give those former parts of me what they needed in that moment and yeah. they didn't have and really freeing them of the beliefs and the intense emotions that they got back there. And this had such an incredibly transformative impact on my system to where things that had, I had suffered from my whole life or for many, many years were, were suddenly freed. And it just, you know, it felt like the good news to me. I felt like there's finally something where it's really getting at the root. It's not just trying to manage the symptoms out here. It's really, and very compassionately, not bypassing mm -hmm. the parts that are doing the managing, but getting, eventually getting to that root and, and healing it at a deep level. Um, so because, you know, it was just so transformative to me, I couldn't help but 
but share it. So I began to just share it exclusively on my Instagram. I started using it exclusively in my coaching and, um, and started creating groups around it. And it's, it's just been such a, such a joy, you know, um, just to, to be able to offer this and to um, offer hope to people mm. and, and just to see changes in them as well. Oh man, I just got so excited just listening to you. <laughs> just, <laughs> um, and the, so many reasons, um, just hearing the truth that you're speaking, um, relating to it in some ways, and only in some way because I'm still learning, I'm still new to this, um, but also excited just as I keep on learning, just knowing how powerful the resource this is. Yeah. And even thinking back, like there is even steps in my practice leading me up to IFS mm-hmm. um, in different ways. There's just been like more of a different and different um, seasons, different externalizations of the issue. Um, yeah. It was usually more of a, like a, as a like Christian counselor, it was more of like a spiritual side of it. Mm-hmm. But now I'm looking back, I'm like that's just IFS actually. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know it was IFS, but it was just IFS. Um, yeah, my husband likes to call uh, Jesus an IFS practitioner. That's nice. <laughs> yeah. That's hilarious. Like because it's um, just it describes it describes the reality, I think, of our experience. It's just one way of you know putting words to it. Yep. Sure. Yep. But I just love and but there's also that compassion side of like yeah. as I've been on my own journey and knowing I need compassion. So compassion has a big big part of my practice um more and more throughout the time. And people experience compassion through me, but then this IFS like helps them learn how to have compassion on themselves, not just yeah. receiving it from me and saying, okay, I'm, I'm learning it through that, but like practicing it practically. Um, and it, I'd love, I think you said it, it might've been Richard Schwartz, you quoted, but just that idea of like, this is already a language that we use. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, man, mm-hmm. I don't want to do that. It's just a part of me that just doesn't like this. Like, mm-hmm. you're right. Yeah. There is a part of you that doesn't like this. Why not? Let, let's be curious let's about that. I love yeah. that curiosity of every part's welcomed. Yeah. I don't know if yeah. I'm getting too much down the IFS <laughs> pathway, but like just that idea of just um, no bad parts. No yeah. bad parts. Like, it, it, because whether in a grew up in a Christian community mm-hmm. or not, if there is trauma and if there's attachment wounds and if there's insecure attachment, you have taken on the message that there's something wrong with me mm-hmm. and there's shame and judgment. And so this is just a way, a beautiful way of just shifting that paradigm of like, you experience this, don't make them experience it. Mm-hmm. And like, mm-hmm. um, yeah, you and need to be loved. Can we love our parts? Go ahead. 
Yeah, no, I, you just reminded me, I, you know, Dick Schwartz will say that IFS is, maybe you put a post about this, actually. It, it mm. is attachment, um, mm. secure attachment on the inside, yeah. attachment theory on the inside, and that, that we can actually create a secure attachment. Yes. And, you know, I'll talk about the different parts within IFS, but between our parts and ourself. Um, and it's from that secure place that we can then have really flourishing relationships yeah. with, with others. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So let's, let's talk about those parts. People yes. are probably, I remember the first time I heard about IFS a few years ago, I was like, what the heck are they talking about? I mean, yes. it was so, I didn't have a framework for the words and the terms. So it was just very confusing and honest to goodness, I turned off the podcast and I'm so ashamed to admit that because I was, um, I missed out, but maybe I just wasn't ready yet. And mm -hmm. then once it started to make sense, it was like, you can't see it. It was all HD color. I could, mm -hmm. I could just deep dive. Mm -hmm. So let's, um, I'm imagining a lot in our audience have heard of this um, at to various levels, but let's just start with the parts and we'll just pretend you know, we'll just talk to the audience as if they don't know anything about IFS. Yeah, this is just an introductory IFS. Yeah. 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 Okay. So, okay. So I like to say that there's three main um, understandings, or I like to say experiences because um, mm -hmm. it's, it's theory, but it's experience, right? Yeah. And I don't expect anyone to believe anything I say without experiencing it yourself. Mm -hmm. um, but the three things I want to point out are that, and I'll talk about each one, but we're all multiples. Um, there are no bad parts and the healing source is within us and mm -hmm. it's called the capital S self. So the first one that we are all multiples, usually people have one of two reactions to that. Um, they either say, are you saying I'm crazy? Or mm -hmm. they say, so you mean I'm not crazy? <laughs> <laughs> because I think a lot of people, if, if say you meditate or you are really observant of your own mind, you will, you know, or you talk to yourself, you know, you, you'll notice that there are different parts of you. Right. Um, but sometimes we have this cultural burden that has told us this is a pathology um, and, and just spoiler alert in IFS, there are no pathologies at all anyway, but, um, <laughs> but someone who does have multiple personalities or dissociative identity disorder is just someone who's had such severe trauma that the, the different, uh, parts of their personality have separated to such a degree that they're not aware of each other. But, um, but all of us actually have multiple parts. So I would encourage you, the listeners to just observe your mind for a little bit and you'll notice that there's not often just a monologue going on there's this dialogue of oh i really want to do this but no you shouldn't do that that's selfish <clears throat> well but i really wanted to you know and and there can be um a lot of different kind of voices or different um uh beliefs different perspectives at the same time and this is actually quite refreshing because if we think um, say we feel angry and we're just like, all of me is angry. Um, it can feel really overwhelming, but we, if we understand there's a part of me that's feeling really angry and what we'll find actually, if we observe is that there's 
a part that's probably hurting underneath that. And if we can hold space, you know, for many different parts at the same time, it's actually not crazy making, it's actually much more sane making. So that's the first part. Um, and then the second one is that there are no bad parts. And so maybe I'll just explain a little bit what kind of parts there are mm -hmm. um, here. Yeah. But um, so in IFS, there are um, two types of parts, but there's two types of one of them. So there's kind of three, but the, the first type of part um, we call exiles, but these are really our, our most wounded parts. They are um, our most fragile, um, vulnerable, sensitive parts. And so the experience um, that Dick Schwartz has observed is that we are born with parts, right? And then at certain developmental stages, we, we gain more parts and they are not burdened, right? They're just mm -hmm. naturally, they have naturally valuable qualities to help us survive and live in this world. Um, but through trauma or attachment wound and sometimes, sometimes social conditioning, social burden, yeah. um, they gain these, these burdens is the word that we use in IFS. They can be like wounds. And so these most fragile parts, they, they hold the intense emotion, right? If we've been through a trauma, we might have panic or grief or just feeling alone overwhelmed and these are really intense emotions and, and really intense beliefs like i'm unlovable i'm not enough um, the world is a scary place no one can be trusted right so so these are so overwhelming to our system that other parts then take on what are called protective roles um, to keep them out of our consciousness so that we can keep functioning in life right it's kind of like after i had my trauma and i was like i'm good where's yeah. there's no trauma <laughs> but the yeah. trauma was still there in my subconscious and and in my body and so so they're kind of hidden but it's kind of like a pressure cooker mm. where they're, they're just building and building and, and they don't go away so um so eventually there might be something in our life that that triggers them right so so there's two types of protectors the first type is what we call managers and they're trying to either keep these these overwhelmed parts down or keep the world away so that they don't get triggered yeah. so it, this is your per perfectionist parts your pleasing parts could be parts that keep people at a distance or hide you away uh, or make you you know, perform, you know, th but they're trying to keep your world managed. Okay. Mm -hmm. But every now and then there's going to be either, you know, you're tired, you're sick, or there's something in your environment that reminds you of your original trauma. And that pain comes up like flames that threaten to burn your house down. <laughs> and so the third type is what we call firefighters. And this is a protector that once the flames of that just overwhelming pain comes up, they swoop in and they're really like superheroes because just like a firefighter comes into your house and they don't care that, you know, they're destroying your furniture and your paintings because they're just trying to save your life, right? Yeah. 
this is what these parts do. And they're, they're things like addictions and um, which could be to anything at all, anything that numbs you or helps you escape. Um, they are things like self-harm um, and can even be really harsh critics. Get down you, how you're so horrible. You're so weak, get down there, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, or it can be um, even suicidal parts. That's usually the, the kingpin of the firefighters. So mm-hmm. they rush in once the, the flames of the exiles come up and push them back down. So the, the thing to understand is that these parts interact with each other. They're in a system, right? And often there might be, say, say there's a firefighter that's a, a binge eater, or a binge drinker. And then there's a social manager that is like, you are ruining your life and your relationships, you terrible, terrible part. And so there's this critic that's trying to push the firefighter down. But what it doesn't understand is that underneath the firefighter are all these wounded parts. And yeah. this, this part that binge drinks cannot stop doing its job until what it protects is healed. So mm-hmm. even though it has a negative impact and we recognize that it's having a negative impact on the system. Um, it always has a positive intent. Hmm. Its intent is to protect the system from this pain. And it just doesn't know any other way. It's yeah. doing the yeah. only thing that has helped. So the final thing, <laughs> the third thing is, is the hope. Um, so Dick Schwartz, when he was, basically learning this from his clients by just observing them. Um, He would, um, uh, I'll just tell this real quick, but so he was a family systems therapist. So he knew that say he had a, um, like a teenage girl in front of him and he was trying to talk to her, but her father was behind him scowling at her. She would not talk. So he knew in, in, in family therapy to have the dad leave the room or go out of the line of sight so that she would feel free and safe enough to open up to him. So he started doing this on the inside when there were like critical parts, you know, maybe he's trying to get to know this, this binge drinker part. And there's the critic is looking at you. He would ask the critic, can you go, you know, <laughs> out of the line of sight or to another room kind of thing. And sometimes he'd have to ask fearful parts and all these parts to go. And then eventually he noticed there was this part that would emerge that had all of these C qualities um, that was compassionate and curious, had a lot of clarity, was very calm, confident and courageous, connected and creative. Um, And it doesn't just have C qualities, but, but, um, (laughs) but it's, it's just this state of being that was just very grounded. And he thought, who is this? And he would ask his clients, what, what part is this? And they would say, um, this doesn't feel like a part. This is just me. It's just myself. Yeah. So, yeah. And he, he, at first he thought, oh, you know, they must've had some good upbringing to have this self, but after thousands and thousands of clients, he discovered that this self with a capital S, Mm -hmm. what he began calling it is in every 
human being. It cannot be destroyed by any trauma. Um, and a lot of people are skeptical at first because maybe their their critics and their raging hearts, yeah. you know, have been so oh, blended wow. with them. But but it is there. And and so in IFS we say it's a, a release, a constraint release model, right? Like mm -hmm. when when the other parts begin to relax back, you will always find the self there. But the self wow. never forces its way. Um, mm -hmm. So there's always a respect and a validation for the other parts until they trust the self. Mm -hmm. uh, but that self he found was actually the healing agent for all the parts. And so as soon as he as the therapist could help the other parts step back, once the person's self emerged, he just got out of the way and he watched the, their self heal everything in their system. Mm -hmm. So, so that's uh, the, the model. <laughs> Full body goosebumps to hear you explain that. I mean, we've done one of your courses, but still this was just <laughs> your, your succinct explanation Hey, I'm amazed that you found a way to succinctly explain such a powerful complex. system. Yeah, such a it's like complex and simple at the same time. Yeah, I, don't, I yeah. don't know the right way to define it, but I just felt myself totally respond, almost like a like a rising of of like a victor of a of a strong, yeah. just powerful, resilient beautiful untouchable part that just is so um so longs to engage with the world so longs yeah. to be be uh the role it can be and I hope other people I, I'm sure other people listening could could sense a glimmer of that somewhere in their in their body as you're describing that and it's the mm -hmm. most beautiful part of IFS that's the self. Yeah. It's just like, it's the, yeah. it's the, I know the other parts matter and I shouldn't be, I shouldn't be so um, oh, yes. obsessed with self, but just the ability of self to, to regulate, attune, uh, witness the other parts and to help heal them. It's yeah. astounding. And, and it's amazing because really what ends up happening we need our parts, right? We need our parts to survive in these physical bodies on this earth. Yeah. Um, in a spiritual sense, you might think of self as, you know, the, the part of you that exists before you're born and after you die. I mean, it's, and it mm -hmm. connects you to every other person. And um, some people will call it the image of God in you or a piece of God in you, whatever you want to call mm -hmm. it. I always mm -hmm. encourage people to experience it because, um, but, but it's, um, it's so the way I see it is that the parts, especially when they're burdened, the self is the resource that comes to them and loves them unconditionally to where they can drop their burdens and feel the secure attachment. And then the parts become the support of the self. Mm. So, so they really, it's like the self heals the parts and then the parts begin to support the self. And, and then the, you have more of a self-led system. Uh, wow. I love that picture. As you were talking, I just was thinking of um, something you said in one of your trainings. And it's so, so powerful that the burden of the parts is not beautiful, but the intention of the parts is. 
Mm-hmm. And I think that's so important because when we first get introduced to our parts, we're like, I don't like that part. Like, they've caused so much problems. They cause so much relational issues. They've, especially the firefighters can really get a bad name for themselves. Like yeah. that's what's causing my marriage issues, my relationship issues. I don't like them. And it's like, mm-hmm. no, but they're good. No, they're not. They haven't done good, anything good for me. But if yeah. we can get past, no, the burden that they're carrying is not good. We can acknowledge that, but still the intention of what they're trying to help you do and survive, that part is good. Mm-hmm. And it, and they want good for you. They, they just don't, like you said, they don't have any other way to do it. And so if we can update them right. and give them new resources and new direction, they'll take that. They may resist at first, mm-hmm. but like they'll, they want good for you. If they can be proved, it can be proven that this will help them. Mm-hmm. Um, is that, would you agree with that? Yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah. So, so when we, whenever we go toward a part, you know, say it's a firefighter, like it's a so, especially a socially unacceptable behavior that that part's doing, or even an inner critic, which a lot of other parts don't like, right? Mm-hmm. Whenever we go toward the part, we always ask the question, how do I feel toward this part right now? And, mm. and that question is what will reveal other parts. Sometimes I'll even ask people in my groups or my clients, check for anyone in your system that has an opinion about this part. And what you're doing is you're identifying the other parts that don't like it, like you said, for good reason, because it does have a negative impact. And so what I, what I'll do, you know, from self or help my clients do is recognize that the part that's critical of it has a point. Like you first want to validate that part Mm -hmm. and say, I I see that you are so frustrated with this part. It's causing havoc in our relationship and, you know, in, in our, our system. But what if I, as the self could go to this part and help it so that it doesn't feel so desperate and extreme and it can relax. And that Mm. part usually wants that to happen. So it'll Mm -hmm. say, oh yes, please, please go help that part, help it, you know? And and so, because you always wanna have, like it's it's like the father who's scowling, right? You always want those parts to Mm -hmm. give you space to go toward whatever part you're going toward from this place of at least curiosity, right? I wonder, why like we talked about at the beginning i wonder why uh i can't or this part can't stop binge eating cookies at night or i wonder Mm -hmm. why i can't stop biting my nails i wonder why it could be anything as soon as you for me the inroad is curiosity and and then you can go toward that part and then the big question is what are you afraid would happen if you didn't do this yeah. right and um you know if it's say it's an inner critic it might say something like well if i didn't beat you up and tell you how terrible you are then you would make all these mistakes and you would get you would get punished you would get criticized you would get rejected and yes. it's usually very desperate and then you begin to see its good intention oh my gosh you're trying to protect me from being abandoned and rejected and criticized and, and I can say, when did that happen? Mm. When did that happen? Mm. And, and it can begin to reveal, the, you know, the, 
often many times or maybe one big time when it happened. And you'll be surprised at, you know, parts like people pleasers, right? Where you say, what do you afraid would happen if you didn't please everybody in front of you? You know, and, and it'll say, you die, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's can be like, they genuinely really feel drastic. that they're saving you from death. Wow. So, so their, their intention is always good. I told this quick story, um, on a podcast last week, but, um, it's, it's, it's such a good illustration. So the other day, my husband and I were, were driving, um, across an intersection and the light turned, turned green. We were going forward and the car coming this way started coming into our lane and coming straight at us. And we, we were like, oh my gosh, this guy's crazy. What's going on? How, you know, how dare he? And then we looked and we saw that there was a child in the middle of the street oh, wow. and he was swerving out of the way to not hit this child. And that's oh very much gosh. the experience, yes. right? Of We look at our parts and we go, oh my gosh, why are they doing this? They're terrible, right? And then as we get to know their history, we're like, oh, everything makes sense they're trying to save this child right so that imagery yeah that's i was gonna say that story oh goosebumps because that is so perfect you judge the intention and the behavior you've judged the behavior and assume the intention as you become curious like oh wow that was such a wise thing to do i can't that was so intuitive yeah. and so brilliant. Yeah. And they were doing what and they had to do to save the child. Exactly. So why don't we, um, why don't you lead me through exploring some, some of my parts to give people a little bit more handle on this? Yeah. So, so a question that I, I like to ask people um, is, and this will reveal a couple different parts is just what is something that you hate that you do, but you just cannot seem to stop. Mm. Mm-hmm. And just take a moment and think of, and it could be anything at all. I, the first thought is um, being triggered by my children uh, and yelling. So the behavior would be yelling. Yeah, yeah, okay. So, so in answering that question, you have already just revealed two parts, right? So there's this part of you that yells at your kids. And there's another part that sounds like, tell me if I'm wrong, but, but shames that part. Mm-hmm. That's a, mm-hmm. it calls that bad. You should not be doing that. Mm-hmm. Is that true? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so in, in IFS, what you might do is just recognize the part that's really frustrated with the part of you that yells and so again, you see me using my hands. Sometimes I like to imagine like that, that this one that yells is here and some people will visualize, they might see, or, or they might just feel the part in their body somewhere, the energy of that part that's yelling. 
it and mm -hmm. and sometimes it can help to just have it in in these two locations but and then there's this part that's so stressed out about it right we cannot be the person that yells at our kids we're harming our kids and it's saying all of these things and as the self you can look at them both and first look at this part that's that's so upset and validate it and say i get it i get how this seems distressing you know and and maybe and you might even do this in your mind if if you can ask that part that feels so critical if it will just relax enough for you to feel curious about the part mm -hmm. that yells mm -hmm. and and why and and maybe help it so that it can relax Mm -hmm. and just see if it'll give you space to feel curious I, feel like I should hold my hands out like you yeah you can <laughs> okay so it feels like uh that frustrated part is is fine to let me be curious about the yelling yeah so thank it whenever a part mm -hmm. is willing to do that it's it's a big step because we never want to mm -hmm. override a part mm -hmm. just thank it and let yeah. it know that your goal is not to let the the yelling part get bigger but to mm -hmm. to help it to help it so that it can cannot feel so stressed like it has to yell mm -hmm. and then as you focus on that that yelling part what do you notice about it to see if mm -hmm. you can just receive what its energy is it, it might say something to you it might show you something why is it feeling so upset It, it's so um, feeling out of control feels so, so scary. Mm -hmm. And it yeah. just doesn't want to feel out of control. Mm -hmm. Bad things happen when, when everything gets out of control. Yeah, yeah. So how do you feel toward that part? saying that that it's afraid of things being out of control i definitely have a lot of compassion and understanding for that yeah so let it let it know that let it know that you see that it it's trying to gain control that it's really afraid of losing control Mm -hmm. and and you might ask it and we don't have to you know go you know deeper into the wound it's protecting but uh, it sounds like it's let you know that if it doesn't do this things are going to get out of control mm -hmm. and maybe just ask it are you protecting times in my life where things got out of control mm -hmm. and just let an answer come directly from it
Yeah, it's definitely trying to prevent that from happening, continuing to happen. Yeah. So the the hope for that part maybe could be, and you could even set a, an appointment with that part if you want to, but you know, what if I could go to the parts that perhaps are stuck in moments where they were out of control and they felt overwhelmed and I could go and I could be with them? Like, would you feel this way? And, um, and Lauren, you can tell me because that part that felt out of control, it could have been a protector, but it also might've been a, um, a, an exile. It might've been a wounded part. Hmm. You can ask, um, I, I don't know if you want to try this, um, you can see, but, but if you, if you go to that part, just one more time mm-hmm. and if you can, again, just, just see if you can receive an answer from the part without thinking it up. Sometimes I have to ask mm-hmm. thinking parts to, to relax back to mm-hmm. just ask that part. Um, how old do you think I am? Mm-hmm. And just wait for a number. The number that I felt instantly was eight. Mm-hmm. So, so either this part is likely eight or it's protecting a part that's eight that felt really overwhelmed in some way. And I know for some people that can seem a little weird, right? Like, am I making up this number kind of thing? But I have really learned to trust whatever comes um, it's amazing the insight that will happen afterward Will you realize that there was this moment when you were eight, when you felt just out of control, right? And so then that would be uh, when the self would go back into that, that time and really help mm. that part. And, mm. and, um, and even in that moment, let's say you're, you're in the moment, Lauren, where you're yelling at your kids right? Mm-hmm. Um, to be, I love the, the statement that we, we cannot have compassion on other people, or when we find ourselves not being able to have compassion on another person, it's because we have to turn it inward first. Mm-hmm. So when that part is just so overwhelmed and yelling, you might um, just tell your children, mom, I would say mommy needs a timeout. <laughs> and I would go to the laundry room or to a private place um, sometimes just for 90 seconds and turn inside mm. and say, oh my goodness, you're so overwhelmed. You're feeling so out of control. Tell me about it. What's going on for you? And mm-hmm. the, my experience is the part will say, oh, yes, I am. Oh my gosh, I'm so out mm-hmm. of control. I'm so, I'm so overwhelmed. And, and just yeah. it being seen and recognized, it might say, they don't respect me. They're going to, they're going to end up, you know, uh, dying in a ditch somewhere because, you know, or disrespecting Mm -hmm. their Mm -hmm. spouse in the future. You know, it goes, it goes Mm -hmm. into these fears that it has, um, that I have to control my children or they're going to end up this way. And you can just listen 
to that part inside of you, or, um, or maybe your children have crossed some boundary, you know, and, mm -hmm. and this part is, is upset about that. And you can just let that part vent to you and that to yourself right and it's yeah. like there's this, this this relationship inside and then that part begins to relax so what ends up happening mm. often for me is that critic comes up first and mm. i notice the critic and it says you're yelling again you terrible terrible person and so i'll turn to the critic and i'll say oh i see you what if i go and i help this one that's feeling really angry right now and she'll say, oh, yes, please, please. So the critic has wow. a role now to point the self to one that it feels like needs help that's acting extreme. Mm, and then you can wow. turn and go to that one. And then usually with that attention, there's, there's this clarity and calm that comes into the system mm. and you can emerge back to your children mm -hmm. um, with more, more calm and clarity. Yeah. But if in that moment, you're just, there's a battle between the critic and the, and the, the, the angry one, there's no, there's no self involved. Um, they just, they make each other bigger. They just get bigger mm. than this one gets bigger. Right. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Is so that the polarization? Is that, would that be referring to the polarization of those two parts, how opposing they are? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so we, yeah, we have polarized parts inside of us you have polarized people outside of us it's it's really reflective the inside reflects the outside right so if you look mm -hmm. at political parties or yeah. you have parts inside of us and it's it's really as like like you know you're in a boat and and there's one person on this side and they drop their ring or something into the lake like oh my gosh i have to get get this ring and so they lean outside the boat, but now the boat's about to capsize. Right. So now this one says, oh my gosh, in order to keep the boat stable, I need to lean out to the equal and opposite degree. Yeah. So now they're both leaning out, out of the boat and they don't know, you know, this one's like, I have to do this. Um, but it, I like to imagine that the self is at the helm of the boat. And it says, hey, can I go down into the water and get the ring for you so that you can get back in? <laughs> and then this one, this is, yeah, yeah. So then, then this one's able to come in and now this one's able to come in. Yeah, so an example of a, of a polarization in my system is that I have, so I do have names for my parts and some mm. people like to name their parts or, or, or receive names from their parts. And some people think that's strange, but it's really helpful because it's like, I can recognize when that part comes up by mm -hmm. just the certain unique qualities that they have and say, Oh, Hey, I see you. So I have a part named Cassandra that is really this people pleaser. And like I was saying before, when I asked her, what do you, what would happen if you didn't please the person in front of you. She's just like, we're going to die. She's very concerned that I would die. And then she's also concerned that the other person would die because of oh. my history with my first husband's oh, death. Right. So oh. she's very burdened. And, um, and eventually I won't go into the detail about how it developed, but I had this angry boy <laughs> named Sebastian, who's a part that 
needed to come out of exile because in my religious upbringing, mm-hmm. anger was never, ever okay. Mm-hmm. And, but once he came up, he actually became polarized with Cassandra mm-hmm. because her intention was we must please the person in front of us in order to protect us from harm and them. Um, but Sebastian's concern was we must protect our own needs, right? It's okay to say no because we don't have the bandwidth or it's we can't physically do this. So they would be in this polarization where someone would ask me to do something that maybe I wasn't really able to do. And Sebastian's aware of this and Cassandra just takes over and I say, yes, <laughs> to the person in front of me. And then Sebastian gets angry and says, oh, how dare they ask you for that? And starts getting resentful you know, towards them. And why do you always say yes? You know, so they're kind of in this, this battle with each other. And, um, and a polarization is a burden systems way of trying to achieve balance, hmm. whether it's inside wow. of us or outside of us. It, he sees that Cassandra is so extreme and he says, I've got a pull in this equal and opposite direction to create balance in this system. And, um, so, but the solution in IFS is often I'll, I'll notice Sebastian first he's like really resentful and angry and starts lashing out you know inside at the other person yeah and I'll say oh usually when you're here Cassandra's here is she here Mm -hmm. (laughs) they'll say yes she just said yes even though we're exhausted and we cannot do that and I'll say oh okay thank you what if I go and I help her so that you know Uh she can she can relax so then I'll turn toward the pleaser and say what are you afraid of? Um, and with her, she's been one of the most burdened. So I've, I've gone back to countless moments where I said yes, when I meant no, mm-hmm. and, and kind of violated myself in that way. Yeah. And it's like this redoing yeah. of the scenarios, you know, of helping my former self say no, mm-hmm. and yeah. withstand the backlash or just know that the self was standing there supporting her. Hmm. So, so that's what can happen. There are all kinds of different polarizations that can be common in people's systems. It's so fascinating and so helpful. Oh man, this, like, I, that kind of reminds me of like, when there's a firefighter, there's always an exile. And so yeah. mm-hmm. and the same thing, like as you learn, like one information gives you another information. And like mm-hmm. as you start getting these puzzle pieces together, the picture starts becoming clearer and you don't feel so powerless or helpless. You're like, or or discouraged, like, oh, we're doing this again. It's like, oh, if we're doing this again, it must be because we're feeling this again. And I know how to help this part. Okay, let's go to here, rather than feeling stuck in the same cycle. Um, mm-hmm. So that's really mm-hmm. important. I think a great tool a great example of the importance of polarizations, the role it plays, but also of becoming aware of that polarization. No, I was just going to say that the self really does become like the mediator inside, um, Mm -hmm. really is able to see that like 
the good intention and the need of this one and the good intention and the need of this one. And as the self can hold space for both, they begin to see each other and they might disagree with each other's tactics, but they begin to see the good intention. Mm. And through kind of the, the compassionate gaze of the self that can hold them both mm. with equanimity, what you'll find is they will begin to work together to problem solve. And so like my Sebastian and Cassandra, they now have this kind of tag team thing where when someone asks something, Sebastian says, let's wait and let's check in together before we give an answer. Wow. And, um, and they begin to work together. And so it's like they, they start to come closer into the boat and achieve balance that way wow. instead of <laughs> hanging um. out. Just, I, I like processing things through the way I understand them is through understanding it through other ways I understand things. So mm -hmm. as we're talking, it just reminds me of something that I use in like um, marriage sessions, process versus content. Like at the beginning of the polarization, like you're talk, those parts are talking about content. Like you're doing this. I don't like you're doing this. So I'm going to do this, but I don't like you that you do this. But the process is, why are they doing this? Someone like Sebastian understands why Cassandra's doing that. It's like, oh, okay, I, I hear you. And Cassandra's like, oh, you're kind of mean the way you respond to me, but okay, I see what you're trying to do. And so that if we can work mm -hmm. on that process, we can, like you said, kind of get at the same table and say, how do we help each other? Like, I, I can support you if, if I understand why you're doing what you're doing. Um, mm -hmm. I, just, uh, which is why it's called the internal family system right because <laughs> right? exactly. parts are a family right so i was just thinking like man if we could just do that and but as people oh yeah i don't agree with how you're doing this but i understand why you're doing it yeah like, oh wait yeah. i do that with marriages that's processing content like <laughs> oh ifs mm -hmm. says this that's really yeah, it, it's, it's so true. But when we understand the good intention behind, you know, the protective intention, the, the desperation behind why someone is doing what they're doing, we often will have compassion, even if we disagree with what right. they're doing. Yeah. So yeah. I remember, um, you know, like the position on guns, for example, mm -hmm. I was adamantly against guns and creating like big gun laws. And I had a friend who wanted, you know, to have her guns. And we had this conversation and she said that when she was a teenager, a man broke into her home and sexually mm -hmm. violated her. And she always wanted to have a gun in her home to protect her from the threat outside. And because I had lived in a home with a violent person in my home, yeah. I did not want a gun in my home. The, yeah. the, the threat was the gun in my home. And as we began to tell our story to each other, we both made sense and we completely understand, understood that our intention was the same, was yep. protection. For safety, yep. And, and we just had had different experiences that led us to kind of different, um, different ways of protecting ourselves, but that's, yeah. that's exactly yeah. how our parts are as well. Yeah. In mm -hmm. that example, help me understand it in a different way. 
because I understood that self could have compassion and we needed self to have compassion, but to see like even the parts can have compassion for each other, can learn to have compassion mm -hmm. as self mediates. Um, they absolutely can. And that's really, mm -hmm. I think that's really important. And I think that's where that integration happens um, mm -hmm. is that compassion for each other rather than self giving them her compassion. Like, like we can have compassion on that. We can have compassion on that. It's like, no, you guys can have compassion for each other too. That's yeah. When, when parts are unburdened, because we're never trying to get rid of parts, we're right. only trying to help them release their burdens. Mm -hmm. And, and for an exile, the burden is their intense beliefs and emotions. And for a protector, their burden is their extreme role. Mm -hmm. And once they can release that, um, they natu their naturally valuable qualities are very self-like. They're, they have a lot of presence and playfulness and creativity. And um, so, so it's kind of like more self-energy is comes into our hmm. system. Wow. That's really that is really, yeah, it is. Just having that picture of that self-energy being like stamped really? out by all the protectors, but then it's kind of just starting to blossom and glow and reemerge re -emerge yeah. and seeing that light yeah the image of that light kind of going into those dark areas of hurt and pain and woundedness and so the parts can add to that as we are wrapping up we knew we were going to want to talk to you for 14 hours um <laughs> but we will not we will let you sleep tonight i Seriously. We, we'd love to hear what do you how do you see this in a practical and emotional sense, how do you see this changing people's lives? So we hear your uh, really powerful story about how this became the thing that really brought you into to who you are, who you're meant to be and the freedom and the connection with people, the connection with self. It's transformed you and helped even your physical body uh, be transformed. So what do you see in other people? Because you've worked with a lot of people at this point. What happens for them when they do IFS work? Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it, what doesn't it, it I mean, it, it really does <laughs> change, change everything in a person's life because it, it changes the way that they relate on the inside and the security that they feel on the inside. So for example, if they're healing wounds uh, from parts that were just so socially, uh, you know, not able to um, the, the, like some people will have parts that are so socially fearful that they cannot even talk to another person, right? That, that just cripple them. But when they begin to develop this, this healthy attachment inside, then they're able to take risks with other people because they understand that yes, people can hurt them, but they have this one inside that will be there for them if that happens and, and their wounds are healed and they begin just naturally being able, people will say, I was at a restaurant and I just started talking to someone next to me. And it's, and it'll feel like it's just happened naturally, right? It's not mm -hmm. something that they made themselves do. It really yeah. is this byproduct of having healed uh, these deeper wounds on the inside, mm -hmm. but it can also change relationships, right? Because when we have these big protectors, they often come out at our partners, right? We often uh, end up our protective parts battle each other, right? And they, they come out 
that when we begin to understand that underneath both of us in this relationship, there are these wounded parts. We begin to have this vertical relationship inside of us. And then we can, in, in IFS, we say that instead of speaking as our parts, we speak for our parts. So we begin to have a self-to-self -self relationship where we can say to our partner, when you did this, there was a part of me that felt really upset and angry at you, but I realized that there that was protecting this hurt part because this happened when I was a young girl and it, it really reminded me of that. And then usually, you know, it's a very different experience when someone says a part of me is feeling angry, then oh, I am so angry at you. Mm -hmm. Right. And so you begin to have language to relate to each other. You begin seeing the whole world in a different way. You begin having compassion, even mm -hmm. on the worst criminals, even on people yeah. who are acting out in the most violent ways, you begin to get yeah. really curious about what happened to them hmm. for that yeah. part to come out and protect them in such a extreme Fantastic. way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it just, it, it changes everything <laughs> in a person's life. Yeah. What, how do you help somebody get access to self that is really just struggling mm -hmm. to get access or doesn't, yeah. Yeah, that's a really I, I would add question. to that, like, um, just trauma, like the, the deeper, the longer, the more pervasive the trauma, it seems like it can really be a block towards self energy. And yeah, how, mm -hmm. how, how have you found that? To yeah, and that, that's a really good question. Because a lot of people at the beginning of this work feel like, sometimes they'll say, are you sure I have a self? Maybe I'm the only person oh. in the world who doesn't have a self. I just oh. don't experience that. Yeah, and it's, it's so yeah. heartbreaking. Sometimes at the beginning, the, the therapist or the coach is kind of the one who holds a critical mass of self for the person mm. and, yeah. and, and can initially, you know, kind of reflect back the self and the other person, mm. let them know when they, when they see that, especially if they're blended with their parts. I often use this analogy that the self is like the sun and the parts are like clouds that might mm. cover the sun. And if you've ever lived in a place where it's been overcast for days and weeks and months, you can start to say, does the sun actually exist? Yeah. <laughs> where is it? And people can feel like that about the self, but the truth is it does exist. The sun is still there and the self is still there. Um, but like I said, it's this constraint release model so um there's something that dick calls the virtuous cycle and so often i'll encourage people to just begin noticing and doing the very smallest amount that their system will allow mm -hmm. so they might spend 10 seconds just stopping and and noticing what's happening in their body physically if there's any emotional energy, if there are thoughts, they might just notice one thing and be able to say, ah, I see you. And I, I will often say, you know, the I is the self and the you is the part, right? Mm -hmm. So as, as long as they are beginning to just notice just that little bit of awareness, mm -hmm. all parts ever want is to be seen and heard and valued. So 
when we begin to just see them, just acknowledge, and there's no fixing anything. It's just, I see you there, right? I have a, mm. a, a pain in my jaw. I'm clenching my jaw. Ah, oh, I see you jaw, you're clenching. Mm. And in it, just being seen will often allow the part to relax just a little. Yeah. And as the parts relax, it makes a little bit more room for self. Mm. And then we can begin to, to see a little bit more. So, so in the beginning, it can just be a noticing practice of what I, I say, what is it, whatever's alive in you, mm. just notice what's alive in me in this moment. Yeah. Healing always occurs in this moment as yeah. we love what's right. alive in us. Wow. That's really helpful and beautifully yeah. said. Oh, well, Christine, thank you for your time. Thank you for mm. all of all of this. I I was just at your feet, just asking <laughs> every word. Um, totally. It was so good, um, so helpful, and so exciting. That, yeah, like no wonder you couldn't help but share. Yeah, what a hopeful. Um, I mean, when you were talking about the the sun behind the clouds and mm -hmm. it was just it was very emotional because um mm -hmm. I've been there I love so many people that are there I work with so many beautiful people that are there and it's so painful to lose yeah. the sun mm -hmm. it's so hard to you know to lose in quotes to 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 feel it like yeah. you've lost the sun and to yeah. become so disconnected and disembodied from from who you are at your essence, at your core. And um, we just, we love trauma survivors in such a overwhelming way. Like we just have so much love and care for um, what people have gone through and how it, how it almost breaks us. And sometimes it does break us. And to, to know, like we always, return to healing is possible we believe that deeply and that dick schwartz found such a powerful you know discovered he didn't create anything he just discovered it right right um, right such a powerful transformative modality is just so so hopeful it's a gift for the world for anyone who wants to take part and mm -hmm. I'm so thankful that you give of yourself um, on social media so regularly, just these beautiful little gems. Uh, I find them very, sometimes it's the gems that stick longer, you know, they mm -hmm. really like, they go down deep and they find that perfect little place to, to nestle in. And I'm just so thankful for your work. And is there anything, um, that you would like to share any last thoughts on on your belief in healing and um, to to people listening? Yeah, yeah. I I just want to validate those parts that feel overwhelmed and that do hold the trauma that they are um, that they make sense that, that mm. every way that your trauma shows up, whether it's in your body or in um, 
your overwhelmed emotions or panic attacks or whatever it is, yeah. it, it makes sense. And it's trying to tell a story. And it really, I think what it wants the most is to be given compassionate witness. And sometimes at the beginning, that is through, you know, beautiful practitioners like yourselves who are able to hold that self-energy because self-energy is what heals, whether it's in another person or in ourselves. But eventually I promise that you will be able to find that self in yourself. And, and, and it's like that, the part of you that feels overwhelmed. Sometimes I'll just say, can you, can you just come right in front of me and be nose Mm -hmm. to nose with me? And Mm -hmm. we call this unblending. And if that, that traumatized wounded part comes right in front of you, you will likely feel an immediate relief and, and a deep compassion for it as if you were seeing the suffering in another person. Right. And, Mm -hmm. and, um, and you might see a glimpse of that self, or you might think about moments in your life where you were in nature or you were, um, had any kind of transcendent experience. I know you talk about glimmers here and and those kinds of things, but if you can connect to that and just know that yourself is there um, Mm -hmm. and that I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that it, there is an unconditionally loving source at your core. Yeah. Yeah. I believe that wholeheartedly. So we're going to link where people can find you. Um, If you want to say that, quickly and then just let them know of what you offer and what is coming soon. Yeah. So um, you can find me at the ordinary sacred on uh, Instagram. And I am also at the ordinary That's my website. And I have a couple self-paced courses. One is IFS 101 and one is self-compassion through an IFS lens. I also have some worksheets and meditations. Um, and I'm working right now on a course uh, on IFS and the body and how mm-hmm. parts of us use the body to give us really valuable messages. So I'm mm-hmm. excited about that as well. Hmm. Yeah, that course is I'm, I'm um, going to be right <laughs> up the alley of our work. I mean, the other one that we did, we we did uh, not the self-compassion, but the first one was 101. that called? Mm-hmm. 101, yeah. IFS 101, um, yeah just just remarkable so easy to understand so entertaining so in the sense of like um you kept our attention the whole time it was just very very engaging and there was like size pieces too which was really nice yeah not overwhelming we've recommended it to several clients um very just really really helpful and then i think the body one's going to be great uh, with our mind body work so we will be eager to see that one as you launch that soon so thank you so much for being here with us it's been such a true true gift and it's just taking us into the weekend so filled by yourself energy it was just so soothing so loving just very Mm life-giving thank you so much your kindred spirits and i appreciate you both thank Thank you all right listeners thank you for staying with us um sure you were encouraged by all that was shared and just keep on coming back we appreciate you coming back our all of our faithful listeners and our new listeners and just remember your story matters and we'll be back next episode 
While it is a joy to provide our podcast content as a source of life enrichment, please note that information shared is not intended to replace or contradict any professional therapy or medical advice.